Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Welcome In the Booth, everybody, on a Friday. A snowy one here in central New York. Hardcore snowy one. It's coming down in how, as promised, it was beautiful yesterday. Armageddon this weekend, but we've got a lot to power us through getting set for Orange Basketball in the Dome tomorrow with a 4 o'clock tip. Good to have you with us. You can join us by phone if you'd like at 315-437-7644. That's 4ESPN44. Today's show brought to you, as always, by Burdick Toyota and CH Insurance. Polly is back just in time for the bad weather, so he drove through the good stuff to get to the bad stuff. Hello, Polly. Hey, I caught the uh, start of this last night. Took me a good hour to get from Cortland to Syracuse last night, so it was That's nasty. great. You know about airplanes, right? We've yeah. we've laid that out before. So <laughs> they fly over a lot of the bad stuff and they just have to deal with it for maybe a quarter mile stretch of the runway. So you might want to look into that. And uh we'll see how that shapes up. We uh, got into darts last night, Paul. We'll pick up the start of this show, the end of last night's show. It was a good television night and I didn't get to uh two bills because we were doing Coach Beheim's radio show and tied up a little bit last night, so we'll watch that uh, in due time, the 30 for 30, highly regarded on Bill Belichick and Bill Parcell, so I'm sure that's great. Looking forward to finding the time to uh, block out to watch that, but I did catch the end of Thursday Night Darts on BBC America, and uh, we were together when I sort of discovered darts on television kind of by accident on uh, ESPN3 last year. It's pretty cool, and it lived up to the billing last night. It is strange watching I mean, those guys are good, but the fans are so into it. Like, are they little paid? Kooky. Are they paid though? Like, that's what the first thing I thought was the fans were paid because they're all wearing weird outfits and costumes. It's kind of like uh, that old the uh, let's make a deal, like where everybody's dressed up in the crowd. Uh, and stuff. Well, that's I think that's more Euro. That's how the Euros do it. Like people, they have people like that at the British Open golf. You know, they have people like that at Wimbledon. I think that's just. Because they're a little out there, and that's how they express themselves. I don't. Th- you know, it's not uh, tied to the darts, is what I'm getting at. All right, because there's like four guys in a kangaroo outfits jumping around for their guy holding up signs. Yeah. And the fact that you could have a favorite dart thrower to me is more interesting than how you express it, right? Like those guys are pretty crazy. the The match that I caught last night was the uh, pivotal tilt between uh, Peter Wright and Gerwin Price. Gerwin's a great yeah. name. I got to be well, a Gerwin. not to be confused with uh, Michael Van Gerwin, who uh, had the lone blowout win of uh, yesterday's fixture as he beat Rob Cross seven to two. That's like skunking. What they do is they have twelve legs. You're, you're, they start at each player's at five hundred one, and they count down. You got to hit it exactly, of course, and then uh, you uh, you know get turns on when you're going first, which would give you uh, the advantage, and they play up to twelve. So. It could be a 6-6 draw in the legs, but if you uh, steal one, you can obviously take take uh, your share. And in this case, uh, Michael Van Gerwen beat Rob Cross 7-2. A lot of people have the argument with the NBA that it's the two the players are too good and it's no fun to watch. 
if you watch darts, you're going to see dart players that are too good. Like it's not they don't so. miss. Well, no, and when they do miss, you're kind of like, "What, really?" You know, because <laughs> they literally, you know, when the a 180, right? When they hit uh, triple 23 times. So uh, head down here to uh, Limerick mm-hmm. or uh, Awful Owls or any of these other places down the street where there's uh, all kinds of people taking their uh, shot at it at, at the end of the night. Nobody is coming close to what these guys are doing. Just, so the the skill, the hand-eye coordination, the controlling of the heart rate, very strong. But I, I'm more interested in the, the one part of that that I could potentially do is be the guy who stands right next to the board with the microphone on the PA and tells them how many points they've made, which is actually a little harder than it, it looks like. you, you got to have the knack for adding that up quickly and knowing the, you know, if a guy goes 20, 20, 15, what that is, you know, because they're hitting a lot of doubles and triples. Um, and then you get to blurt it out. 145, the guy does like in perfect British. And then when they get within striking range, so when their number is 180 or less, that means they could go out on, you know, one turn, three darts. So then he'll announce uh, what they need remaining. It's kind of like poker. You know, one of the, I don't really watch poker on television, but I am blown away by the execution of it. You know, they can show everybody's cards. They can show the percentage winning. Well, they have the same type of little graphics that pop out when you have uh, X number of points remaining. Here's how you're going to get to those points in in two and three darts. And uh, then the guy gets to go, like, let's say it's uh, 81. You require... 81. Is it like street basketball, though? Is he allowed to, like, scream stuff when they oh, hit when the bullseye? Oh, when they hit 180, like, he goes crazy. Booyah! Yeah, 180, he goes nuts. And then people hold up their signs, the 180. That would be like hitting a, you know, a three-pointer with, like, a 30-footer that, you know, not not just an ordinary three-pointer that everybody could do, but a, a real big one, and they celebrate and have a good time with it. So Thursday night darts. That will not be my last time uh, watching that. Do they they have entrances too, like wrestlers, right? Yeah, I didn't catch that. I honestly, I just caught the uh, last end by the time I got home, and just the uh, last few legs of that exciting Peter Wright Gerwin Price showdown. Um, they, you know, you can bet. Of course, over there you can bet on the darts and uh, all kinds of other things. Here we're looking forward to the Super Bowl. That's another like in this country. <laughs> instead of you know two guys throwing tiny little pins at a piece of cork over here we get teams of 11 big dudes that smash the snot out of one another on uh, either side of a inflated pigskin and uh, that's the sport that we get into around here and do you think they watch it and yes I do make fun of us the same way <laughs> they might. I don't know if they make fun I think they probably think hey this is a good reason to like all the Eagles fans with the dog's heads on like, yeah, what is have, that? that's a little weird but um, the entire world watches. Although people will tell you, oh, the World Cup, 400 million and blah, blah, blah. Uh, everybody watches the Super Bowl. At least in this country, everybody watches. Everybody's paying attention. And uh, prop bet season, I know uh, Seth is working on a few of those to, to throw out. And I like the cross-pollination ones, the one, you know, X number of football things versus, uh, you know, something that's happening in real life. I never understood how Justin Timberlake or someone like that couldn't say, I'm going to yeah, make Rick. all my friends rich today, like when they bet on the color of his shoes. Or I got the news singer for you, the though. National uh, Anthem. Justin oh. Timberlake's friends already are rich. Yeah, I'm sure he's got some buddies that he grew up with that he could help out. Like, hey, I'm wearing blue yeah. shoes today. Drop a grand yeah. on it. Yeah. Absolutely. In the National Anthem length. Length, yeah. 
all somebody smarter than um than us though i'm sure in vegas has the language written to how they get around those types of things anyway the super bowl will be the culmination of uh, a really big weekend uh, around here a lot of things to get interested in men's basketball in the dome tomorrow uh the number two team in the country that's absolutely rolling. Virginia's won 13 in a row. That one's in the Dome tomorrow at 4. Syracuse women got clipped last night at home against uh, Virginia Tech, their first Dome loss. And then they take on a Louisville team that's lost only once this season. The Cardinals are number four in the country, and uh, they come in Sunday for a uh, 1 o'clock start. Then on uh, Sunday night, obviously, the Super Bowl, and then Monday, Syracuse men's basketball at Louisville, uh, I think if the Orange are going to – I'm not going to say if they get to the tournament, they're going to have to have won one of these games, but winning either of these two, um, home to Virginia, the number two team in the country, which is possible. I actually think it's more possible than probably winning at Louisville, but that's possible too. If you pick out one of those, that kind of checks the box of of the marquee win. So now you've got your non-conference was fine. Your marquee win, check the box if you can get one of those two. Um, and then you just got to find your way the rest of the way to 500. If they win this one, they'd be 5-5 five and five with eight games uh, left to play in conference, and you can sort of see them uh, lining up and a way to do that if, if you can get one of these two. They're, they're difficult asks, but uh, especially the way the team is uh, currently constituted and the way it's, it's playing right now, especially the way Virginia is playing, but uh, it would open a lot of doors. We're going to talk with Dave Kane, our counterpart with the Virginia Sports Radio Network, and Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network will join us later in the show. We're getting started here in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse up until 3 o'clock today. Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network and the DirecTV Red Zone Channel will join us to talk Super Bowl in just a bit, but our Super Bowl before the Super Bowl is tomorrow here in the Dome. The Orange against number two and streaking Virginia. The voice of the Cavaliers, Dave Kane, joins us now. Hello, Dave. Hey, I always wonder what it was like in this booth with you here. Isn't that Matt, great? You know, yeah, we'll never we, we see you over there. Before. How you doing? Hey, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I would love to have been wrong about this, but I, I'm afraid I nailed it spot on with the weather. Texted Dave but, yesterday you know, saying, hey, it's 40, it's beautiful, it's pleasant, but you're going to want to you know, have a different attitude when you actually get here. And unfortunately, that's going to, you're, you're going to want to crawl up in the fetal position and uh, just stay there for a while. Put it this way when I see this game scheduled for February in Syracuse, New York, I'm not expecting to bring suntan lotion. No, you're a wise packer. You, you, and I know, listen, you in particular with your background, you know, Colorado, Vermont, ski bum, uh, I don't want to hear it because I, I know. You sometimes seek out weather like this, so yeah, but only when I can ride on it. Am I, I going <laughs> right. to get a chance? You, you got the sled at the airport with me, or wait? We can leave uh, if you want to cross country ski uphill to the game tomorrow. We can arrange <laughs> for that. Uh, all right. Well, 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 let me let me take a rain check on that for this year. Next year we'll hit that. All up. right. Good. What well, you know? Uh, not only is Duke really or Duke Virginia rolling here. To in my mind, they've really been. Uh, flexing muscles in recent games. You know, when you hold Clemson to 36, you know, that's a big brother type play. When Duke, who's averaging close to 90, scores in the 60s, more than 25 points below their scoring average in Cameron. And then when you build a three-game lead atop the division 
uh, top the ACC by uh, beating second place Louisville. Uh, that's pretty impressive. I would imagine Coach Bennett, well, you can tell us about his personality in terms of the way he navigates through this, but uh, uh, this is, is a commanding performance right now. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned some of those defensive numbers. The, the reality is Virginia's coming off of a game, if you talk to Tony Bennett right now, he'd probably tell you that he's he's concerned about his defense given the fact they just allowed Louisville to shoot 50%. So, you know, I, the, the reality is this defense is nasty. I mean, it, it's just as good or better than it's ever been, and I think that's something that's plain to see. But, but one of the differences, I think, this year that we're starting to see unfold for Virginia in 2017 and 18 has been an offense in the – that is able to score points in a team that's really able to score points in a lot of different ways. And I think a team that can beat opponents in a lot of different ways. And some of that's that defense that everybody talks about. But uh, the other part is you've got some really good shooters on the outside with Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy, a young guy, DeAndre Hunter, who kind of broke out a little bit against Syracuse last time. You can do it inside and out. But all three of those guys are not afraid of the moment. And I think you and I saw that, as a matter of fact, at the top 100 camp with a couple of those guys a few years back before they were even on grounds at UVA. And I think that's important for a team, particularly one that wants to go deep in the postseason. You can't be afraid of that moment because you're going to be in those tense situations, as you also know, as somebody who's been a part of a lot of tournament runs yourself. There's nothing like the pressure of the NCAA tournament. And I think... I'm starting to get the feeling that this team is more well-equipped to deal with that than any we've seen around here in a while. Well, you know, we're visiting with Dave Kane from the uh, Virginia Sports Radio Network. I, I think in particular Kyle Guy, uh, again, just watching from afar, the first thing you see, and as you, you, know, you alluded to, we saw him play in a, a high school showcase, which happened to be at John Paul Jones Arena, and you're like, okay, this guy, Indiana shooter, hot shot, man bun, uh, is going to be the guy that opposing fans love to hate and all that. Well, in a freshman year, you can only get so much out of a freshman unless you're a true blue chipper, and in this league, those guys go to Duke. Uh, he has stepped up in such a way. had a great 22-point game against Syracuse in uh, early January, 22 points against Louisville the other night. He has gotten to the consistency level where – you know, now you're talking about a stud who can walk in with the swagger, maybe a little bit more deserved than he had anyway. But he's an obviously a, a confident character. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting to note with him too. So much of it is more his defense that's improved. It's allowed him the opportunity to get some of those minutes. That's one of the reasons his numbers are going up offensively, because he's just seeing more. Averaging, you know, thirty-eight minutes a game of late. You know, getting close to 40 minutes. I know that's not a whole lot by Syracuse standards, but but he's getting a lot of burn in Tony Bennett's rotation of, of late, and a lot of it is predicated on his ability to not be a liability on defense and actually make some plays defensively. And, and this team's starting to get some of those steals and those things that set up X factor points and those kind of things as well. But but I really can't overstate the impact we've seen of late as well. But his backcourt mate, though, I mean, Ty Jerome is after a bit of a slow start. He had two stretches in each of the last two games against very good opponents in Louisville and on the road at Cameron Indoor, where those games were getting close. And he just almost looked down the barrel of the gun and said, all right, give me what you got. And he just launches up, I think it was four three-pointers between the two games in critical moments and from long range, just not afraid. And I think that really has a lot to do with this thing as well. And, uh, yeah, it's the confidence thing. I mean, when he was struggling, people were asking, 
you know, they'd ask him, how did you get your confidence back? Once he finally got on track, he said, I never lost my confidence. I, I don't lose my confidence. Sometimes the shots don't fall, but it's never because of a lack of confidence. So I think that's what you want to hear from your shooters. But, uh, yeah, it, it's been interesting to watch these guys kind of continue to grow. I mean, the reality is Virginia's getting 60% of the scoring from underclassmen. So if you're a Virginia fan, I know that's got people around here pretty excited, given the fact that uh, this is the number two team in the country in the here and now. Dave, I, the word confidence to me is an interesting one to examine for the entire Virginia team because this program has won on a level pretty much unlike any other in, in recent years. Okay, the last five years, maybe Villanova and a couple of others are up there. You know, but Syracuse clipped them in Chicago and last year came back. And by all rights, Virginia should walk in here, best defense against a struggling offense, and win this game. But. Is there anything in the back of the mind going, hey, this really hasn't gone that well the last couple of times? And uh, in fairness as well, Syracuse actually was really in the game late in Charlottesville on the ninth. Well, I said to you after that game ended, in some measure I was kind of happy that these two teams were going to play each other again because even though Virginia won that game, I I felt like it was a bitter taste in their mouth the way that game ended with that 14-point lead turning into, I think it was a five-point lead in about a 26-second span with that full-court press giving Virginia trouble again. And I don't, I don't know what it is about Syracuse's full-court press because the Cavaliers have not had trouble against full-court presses with exception to that game and, of course, the one in the, in the Elite Eight that sent the Orange to the Final Four that Virginia fans won't forget anytime soon. But, yeah, for whatever reason, Virginia has struggled at times against this Bayheim defense. I think that length and athleticism explains some of it, but make the same case about Louisville. Louisville's got plenty of length and athleticism as well, and Virginia's beaten them five consecutive times without too much trouble. So there is something to be said for what Syracuse does that at times has given Virginia trouble, and it's been a little bit of a kryptonite. You know, sometimes when those – and even though a lot of these guys weren't even on this team two years ago when Syracuse came back to win that game – I do think that there is some, uh, we'll say, damage that's passed along uh, from one year to the next in, in a little bit in, in the in the memory banks of these guys. So I, I, it's a little bit of a piece of kryptonite that you got to find a way to exercise those demons. Well, we'll see how it uh, does shake out on this one. As you said, they haven't been susceptible to turnovers in general. You know, London Prentice was as good a college guard as you want to have, and it wasn't like you know n- not to rehash the old stuff it wasn't like he completely peed down his leg in the in the game in Chicago they beat the press a couple times and then all you need is a little bit of a deflection or here or there I think from a Syracuse perspective they've been struggling to such a great degree on the offensive end that you're you're looking for any spark and it might come from defense or pressure something that makes it a little easier because obviously Virginia has just been putting the clamps on everybody defensively to an historic level. Coach Beheim said yesterday, it's funny because you said it in your first comment uh, this afternoon with us, Dave, he started to say, you know what, this is the best offensive team during this run for Virginia. And then he kind of one-upped it himself and said, you know what, they're probably, as defense goes, they're even better defensively than they've been. So uh, things are in the place for Virginia. What does Coach Bennett think is kind of important here? How is he focusing uh, for the, the stretch run, second half of the conference, and then into the tournament season? You know, Tony is all about getting him to talk about anything beyond the next game is next to impossible. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll tell you this. I, I just think that he, 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 he just wants his guys to keep doing what they're doing. 
because he's. I know he's very happy with what this team has done to this point. How can you not be? You've won 21 of your first 22 games, and you're 10-0 and in conference play. But um, I, I just think it's it's this whole notion of this team being businesslike in its approach and not getting too uh, too high in themselves and you know avoiding the, the too high and too low. And this team's been very good about that. Even after they beat Duke at Cameron, snapping what was a 17-game losing streak in that building, you'd be justified in celebrating that. I think there was some level, a little bit of celebration, but in the locker room, those guys were, you know, they, they were already moving on. I, I really believe that. I, I just think that this team has a little bit of a different view, and I think they're very workmanlike. They, I don't know. They, it, it, it's a unique group of players in accepting their roles, kind of accepting the mission of their coach and, and kind of taking it and going with it. So that's what we've seen so far, and I, I don't know. I, I think – you got to just keep doing what you're doing, and, and now the noise starts to crank up a little bit because when you get on that national radar, you got a 10 game streak, you got three or you know 13 game win streaks, you got the 10 straight in the ACC, and you got three games separating you and the rest of the ACC. It's easy to start kind of thumping your chest a little bit, but I, I don't think this team will do that. But I know that's going to be important for them not to and to kind of stay the course. All right, my friend, what's the travel plan? You going to make it? I don't know. It depends when the bobsled gets here, but uh, <laughs> you don't need we'll it there. You, know, you need we it here. Get this baby going. <laughs> you need it here. All right. Well, uh, safe travels. We'll uh, chat to you a little later. Right. All right. Sounds good. See you. All right. Dave Kane from the Virginia Sports Radio Network will continue in the booth. Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network will join us talking Super Bowl. We'll get with Seth and Do We Care in just a moment. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care anymore. Except that there's any snow on the ground at all, so Joe is obviously not here. Prominent Major League Baseball agent. It is. We don't care about that. The whole station, so if you don't already know. This is Seth. Prominent Major League Baseball agent Brody Van Wagenen said Friday that a fight is brewing over the lack of free agent activity in the game this offseason and that a spring training offseason might be on the horizon if teams don't start signing players. Quote, bottom line, the players are upset. No, they are outraged. Players in the midst of long-term contracts are frustrated as those are as frustrated as those seeking employment. Their voices are getting louder and they are uniting in a way not seen since 1994. Yeah, I don't. Uh, you know, it sounds like there's smacks of collusion. I think the players want to use that word or that accusation uh, toward uh, the ownership in terms of, of signing some of these guys. I th- and that might be going on for all I know. But the, uh, I think the market is so out of whack that what what'd you think when you start getting just random average players making ridiculous money? Uh, this is going to be one of the. You know, unintended consequences of that. Who's rushing to sign these ridiculous deals that have been set by precedent? I know for a fact that the Padres were trying to sign Eric Hosmer, and he's asking for more than a seven-year deal. Nobody's giving him that. You mean J.D. Martinez and Eric Hosmer aren't worth two hundred million over (laughs) six years? Major League Baseball has proposed bringing back the bullpen cart as a part of the speed-up-the-game negotiations with the Players' Union. Most teams gotten rid of, got rid of their carts or cars during the 1980s. Milwaukee Brewers were actually the last team to use a bullpen vehicle. They used a motorcycle until 1995. You know, they can be kind of cool. Here's what's going to happen. And have a little bit of modern experience with this because the Rochester Red Wings had one, uh, if not this past season, the year before. The players didn't use it. Now, theirs was a little hokey. Um, 
so maybe they thought it was uncool or or whatever. That first of all, it's only mildly, if at all, going to speed up the game because you have to get in it. You have to load. It's it's if you're talking about a golf cart or something like that, it's not that much faster. What it'll do is team. What will prompt the teams to do it is sponsorship. So if you're in Milwaukee, you're, it's a Harley Davidson. If you're somewhere, you know, Detroit or whatever, it's a Corvette. If you're, that's, it's going to be another opportunity for that to get on the field. That's what's going to drive it for the teams. And there maybe be uniqueness or something cool like, hey, we've got a Ferrari that we drop people off, brought to you by some high end car dealer in LA. Um, and I have, I could take it or leave it. If it comes back, fine. If it goes away, fine. But to to view it as a solution to pace of play is wrong. Uh, halftime performer Red Panda had her unicycle stolen earlier in the week. The Golden State Warriors have now stepped up and will donate a new uh, unicycle to Red Panda. Uh, Red, <laughs> Red this is Panda. An outrage. It was stolen in the San Francisco airport. It was. Red Panda is legendary and absolutely loved and adored by everyone, especially our fans and season ticket holders. That comes from the president of the Warriors. Red Panda is incredible. Seen her many, many times. Um, I saw on Twitter that she had an off performance the other day, and I think it has to do with um, this. She was using a backup unicycle. Her agent, her agent said that she she is in. So I, I don't know where it was, but I think she let a couple bulls drop. For people who don't know, she's a halftime act. Comes out, rides a unicycle, and flips. What what is it, Paulie? Twelve, fifteen yeah. bulls. She'll uh, like somebody will throw them to a catch. Yeah, cereal bowls. She'll have them on her. Uh, foot, she'll flip them up onto her head. I mean, it is absolutely astonishing to see uh, her skill with this, all while riding uh, a unicycle. And so uh, God bless the Warriors and the money they have to to make it happen because uh, whatever she needs, she should go on. Why don't we uh, dive into some prop bets uh, for the Super Bowl. What color will Pink's hair be when she starts singing the national anthem? White, blonde, pink, red, uh, blue, purple, black, brown, or green? I'm going white. I'm a big pink fan. White. She's an Eagles fan, so green may be a I don't get why they're play. asking when she starts singing. I don't either. Is it going to change mid-song? Because that would be awesome. That would be cool. Uh, will a scoring... That also is right in the category of what Polly was talking about. You could rig that one. Will pink be airborne at any point during her singing of the national anthem? <laughs> no. Uh, will I didn't, I, there was not a chance I would have told you that pink was singing the national anthem before your little run-through here, so... Will a scoring drive take less time than the national anthem? That's yes. a good potential. How many times will Giselle be shown on TV over under one and a half? Over. Uh, over, especially if receivers are dropping balls. Over. Will Donovan McNabb vomiting during Super Bowl Thirty Nine be mentioned? No. No, he's taboo right now. How many times will Janet Jackson be mentioned in the broadcast? Over, under, one and a half. Under. Under, one time. Uh, how many times will wardrobe malfunction be mentioned over under one and a half? Uh, it'll be mentioned one time, so under. Uh, will Justin Tim- Timberlake cover a Prince song? 100%. Will the Eagles score more points, or will there be more total goals for all three NHL games on Sunday? Three games, three, six, eighteen. Eagles will score more points. Uh, more Brady completions or DeMar DeRozan points? Against the Grizzlies. Homer Road. Home? Uh, I, I don't know. DeMar, DeMar's going to, he'll get 30. Uh, I'll go DeRozan on that one. Uh, more yards of the longest touchdown scored or Russell Westbrook total points, rebounds, and assists <sighs> against the Lakers? All right, so you put him down for 30. Westbrook. 
I'll go Rustwork. Those are good. I like that last one. I like the ones where you have a little crossover. You got to do a little, little thinking. Looking forward to the Super Bowl. If you notice it, this is a. There's a lot of bad things about the media, but one of them is their habit to complain about things that nobody really cares about, like press food and travel and, and the it's weather. One degree. Right, and so everybody with a phone and a Twitter account, including our next guest, Andrew Siciliano, has been showing signs that it, oh, it's minus seven, it's minus six. No kidding, it's Minnesota. It's cold. We're going to talk. With Andrew Siciliano of the NFL Network as we continue. That's next in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. We are in the booth, brought to you by CH Insurance and Burdick Toyota here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Matt Park along with you as we start to turn our attention toward the Super Bowl and into the weekend we go. We'll be joined by Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network, one of those who's been tweeting out the sub-zero temperatures throughout the week. But let's set that aside. And, Andrew, give us an idea of how the Twin Cities have been as a Super Bowl host. Uh, I think it's been great, obviously, Matt. And hi, how are you? Other than the weather, <laughs> but we, we can't control the weather. And, and I, I think I learned a long time ago that, that you know fans at home who are not at the game, and, and especially fans, let's say, in Syracuse that, that are used <laughs> Don't to want to hear it? Laugh. Right, they don't. They don't care. Do you think? You think fans care that pampered members of the media are cold? I mean, they they don't care, and and I and and they shouldn't. But I, I will tell you that it was negative eight this morning when I woke up, and that is without the wind. That it, so like with the wind it was like negative twenty whatever. It is bitterly frigid and cold and it's not going to be a factor on game day because we're going to be inside but it is a factor not just for the media but for all the fans in all seriousness i mean it is dangerously cold out there and you have all these fans coming to town it's friday obviously so this is when everyone shows up and i'm just warning you unless you are from central new york and you are used to this if you are coming in please this is not cold to mess around with i mean this is dangerous cold it's been cold. Uh, well, yesterday it was 40. You know Central New York weather from your time here as a, as a student. Yesterday it was 40, pleasant, sunny. Today it's, you know, wind blowing your face off and seven inches of snow. Yeah. So uh, that, that's the way it goes around here. Let's get into I, the I game. Total, I, hold on. I totally had an SU flashback to walking outside last night. Yes. Because it was, can I take Booger on the radio? I just did. It was Booger freezing cold. You know, when you walk out and you inhale and then every day all your nose goblins freeze up, right? Yes. That, that, and I hadn't really experienced that since SU. And then I had like an SU flashback last night. Yeah, until you're walking down the hill to Brewster Boland, you just really <laughs> have not experienced cold. Yeah, rule 11, everybody. <laughs> Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network is our guest. The Super Bowl Sunday night, of course, 6.30. And you mentioned the factor of the weather. Well, it's not a factor on the game. It's a factor on the lead-up to the game. To me, the most interesting factor to ask you about from your background and the people you're talking to on television this week, what do they say about experience and how much of an advantage alone is that for the Patriots? I think it's a huge advantage, although everyone wants to deny it. Tom Tom Brady, uh, this will be his eighth Super Bowl. Right now, the combined number of Super Bowl games played on the entire Eagles roster is seven. So, I mean... Yeah, it's wow. a big difference. But at, at, at the same time, uh, look look what this Eagles team has done, man. I mean, every roadblock that you have put in front of them, they, they have found a way to get around or just bulldoze over. 
and no one thought they would be here when they lost their quarterback. Period. End of conversation. Nick Foles is a punchline. Nick Foles could go win a Super Bowl on Sunday. These are the only two quarterbacks in, in league history to put up a season of 25 or more touchdowns and two or fewer interceptions. Nick Foles and Tom Brady. I know that sounds odd, but Nick I like Foles that. is that guy. That's yeah. a hell of a nugget. Um, yeah, there you go. You know, if the Eagles win, you're going to have, you know, one of the great parades ever, certainly, but also, you know, one of the most, I guess, most upfront about, well, they this cliche of they doubted us, nobody gave us a chance. Boy, I guess if, if it was actually ever applicable and accurate for a team, this would be one, but it seems like they're really riding that. Yeah, and and hey, whatever whatever gets you going in the morning, the the us against the world mentality is not new. Um, it's not new for this team. It, it's not new in sports, and it will be replayed and reused every single game next year. Played there will be 256 regular season games next year. I am guessing the they don't believe we can win factor will probably be part of all of them. But uh, the Eagles have kind of proven that because people did give up on them. Um, absolutely give up on them. And I think that their statement wasn't just winning the NFC Championship game. It was steamrolling the Vikings. Right, and and winning big. And, the uh, you know, you can make the argument, couldn't you, that the roster is better top to bottom for the Eagles? And uh, obviously the quarterback's the most important position where they're ha- having to uh, deal with some adversity here. But then, you know, Foles is among the, the better backups in the league. So, it doesn't seem to me to be entirely out of this world that they were able to keep on keeping on. No, and, and Howie Roseman gets a lot of credit, too. Um, you know, he, he was kind of GM in exile when Jim Kelly was there, and, and now look what he's done. It's not just Foles at Wentz. It's the fact that they lost Jordan Hicks at linebacker. They lost Jason Peters at left tackle, not just any left tackle. They lost Darren Sproles. Um, you know, they, they, they lost a lot of key players, and they had the depth um, and they added to it when they got Jay Ajayi at the trade deadline. It feels surprised a lot of people. So they have top to bottom a, a very, very good roster. And conversely, you know, somebody asked me yesterday, hey, who's the biggest star on the Patriots defense? <laughs> I don't know that I have an answer. So they have found a way to win after just a horrible September defensively. They, they, they were on a historically bad pace in, in September. Those first couple of games – Again, that, that's why on pace doesn't mean much. But those first couple of games, they were going to break records for the worst defense in football history. And that, that's not hyperbole. And now look what they've done. And that's why Matt Patricia is going to be head coach of the Lions. I was just going to say, we're, while we're on the topic, the Vernon Verona Cheryl High School product uh, from down the road here, Matt Patricia, is he going to lose the beard when he's a head coach? I don't know. We had Golden Tate on yesterday, and I, I said to him on NFL Network, what do you know about Matt Patricia? And he said he's got a great beard. And I said, do you know anything else? Not really. So uh, he, he's, he's an enigma to many, but as people back there know, he's, he's probably the smartest guy in, in any room he walks into. What's your experience, Andrew, on these guys who, once they get away from the Patriot way, some have been successful, some haven't. Everybody's trying to dip into it. You look at the head coach hirings with Mike Vrabel going to Tennessee, et cetera. And I know Matt Patricia a little bit. We haven't kept in touch since uh, too much since his time as a GA here. But he's clearly impacted by the darkness of Belichick and don't say anything to anyone. What about when he becomes his own guy? 
don't say anything to anyone it is not bad procedure, by the way. It has worked well for them. I, I don't know what your Matt Patricia three times a week presser will be like in Detroit, um, but I'm sure he'll handle it fine. It's not L.A., it's not New York in terms of the spotlight. He'll be fine with that. As for assistants leaving, um, no, they haven't had a lot of success, but, but Patricia going there and Vrabel going to Tennessee, both those guys are, are, uh, are going to, to places where, where former Patriots are in the front office. And they hired them, and they, they they bring in something they're comfortable with. So I think that changes the dynamic a bit. But this is just like uh, 13 years ago when the Eagles and the Patriots last faced each other in the Super Bowl at Jacksonville. Uh, as soon as that game ended, uh, both Charlie Weiss and Romeo Crell left. So both coordinators left then, and both are going to leave now. And the two extraordinarily bright guys, obviously, uh, yeah. Matt Patricia, literally a rocket scientist, and uh, Mike Vrabel, they say, is as uh, smart about defense and X's and O's as anybody. Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network, our guest. Just another quick minute, Andrew, and just maybe finish on a thought going back to the game. Uh, a lot of us will be passing around the chips and dip and, and kind of an American holiday, but what's one thing based on uh, your coverage this week and, and you have a lot of players and coaches on that, that people think will be an X factor in the game, what's going to determine the outcome? I, I it's, this is going to sound so cliche, but it's the fourth quarter. I, I do not doubt that Eagles will start this game. Well, I think they're going to get Nick Foles in a rhythm early. Wouldn't be surprised if they make an offensive play early, but as we saw last year, the, the, the Patriots have a different gear in, in the second half and particularly in the fourth quarter. So if the Eagles get up, if the Eagles are in this, the Eagles got to know that the fourth quarter for the New England Patriots when money is on the table is, is unlike anything you've ever seen. So can they finish to me? That is the biggest issue, and that is the biggest unanswered question. Still that incredible note, the Patriots have not scored in the first quarter of any of these Super Bowls. Right, I, uh, I I did not know that one. That's what that's so what I there. thought I've heard. That that's uh, pretty incredible. But uh, when you come back from twenty eight three, that's uh, mic drop. End of story. Andrew, appreciate well, it. I know you're uh, crunched for time there in Minneapolis uh, this week. So best of luck with all your programming. And do you get to stay for the game? I stand for the game. Yes, sir. Very good. Well, enjoy it. We'll be watching with the rest of the world and uh, hoping for a good close one on Sunday night. All right, man. Let's go orange. Talk to you later. <laughs> you got it. That's Andrew Siciliano of the NFL Network, and you see him throughout the season on DirecTV's Red Zone channel. And that'll bring our show to a close for today and for the week. Looking forward to the Super Bowl, of course, on Sunday night. What a big weekend it is. Virginia in the Dome, the Orange against number two tomorrow at 4 o'clock. The Syracuse women against number four Louisville Sunday at 1 o'clock in the Dome. Then the Orange travel while watching the Super Bowl as a group on Sunday night. Monday night in Louisville is ESPN's Big Monday and the Orange and Cardinals. Tough test for uh, Syracuse men's basketball. But uh, the next time we are on the air, we'll be able to look back at the Super Bowl, the commercials, the game-changing plays, and whatever might be on your mind when we meet again next week. For Joe Salzone, Paulie Sibili, and their help in the program, for all of you listening today, we thank you. I'm Matt Park saying so long and enjoy this great weekend. This has been In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.